All right, well, it is again, like I said, good to be here today. We are studying the gospel of Mark. That's right. If you're a first-time guest here today, we have been going through the gospel of Mark since the beginning of the year. And so uh, we're almost, listen, we're almost halfway through the book. Woohoo! We are studying the gospel of Mark because here at Lifebrook Church, we believe that being a disciple of Jesus Christ is of most importance in our lives. We have all been called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And so as we study through the gospel of Mark, we see in the life of Jesus and in the ministry of Jesus what it means to be one of his disciples. And so that is the reason why we have been studying this gospel. And today we're going to continue. And so today we are in Mark chapter 8. And we're going to be looking at the verse, verses 1 through 26 today. And I want to begin by saying this also to you. I'm not sure what you came here with today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if you have some physical struggles. I don't know if you have some spiritual struggles. Maybe you have some relational struggles. Uh, maybe you have some uh, emotional struggles. Uh, maybe you have uh, some can't-get-your-yard-mode struggles. I don't know. Whatever you came here with today, I want you to know this. Jesus is bigger than anything you are facing. Amen? Jesus is bigger and more powerful than any struggle, any challenge that you have in life. And I want you to understand that because that's the most important thing that is coming out of this study of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus will always have your back. The question is whether you will surrender to him and allow him to take control. Amen? All right, so we are in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. I want to just start by reading uh, the first 10 verses, all right? So it says, In those days there was again a large crowd, and they had nothing to eat. He called the disciples and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. Let's stop for a second there. Go back to that. I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me three days and have had nothing to eat. There are some of us sitting in this room right now that we're already thinking about lunch. And we've only been here for 30 minutes. These guys, I want you to read this. I want you to hear this. They have stayed with me three days and have had nothing to eat. You know why they were able to do that? Because the message that they were hearing was that important. Okay, keep going. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on their way. One of, one of my translations says they'll faint. They'll faint. They've gone for three days, no food. They'll faint. And some of them have come a long distance, he says. His disciples answered him, 
Where can anyone get enough bread here in this desolate place to feed these people? Again. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? Haven't we already done this story? The first time I read this passage of scripture when I was a kid, I was like, this is a repeat. This is already done. Now, the second thing that is amazing to me is that once I realized that this isn't a repeat, that this is another incident, these disciples, do they have amnesia? Did they forget? Where can anyone get enough bread here in this desolate place to feed these people? All right, go ahead. Keep going. I won't stop the whole time, but how many loaves do you have? He asked them. Man, I wish I would have been, bought some more bread today. I could have had some more bread to throw out at you guys, but I forgot, all right? How many loaves do you have? He asked them. Seven, they said. He commanded the crowd to sit down on the ground. Taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. So they served the crowd. All right? They also had a few small fish. And after he had blessed them, he said these were to be served as well. They ate and were satisfied. Then they collected seven large baskets of leftover pieces. About 4,000 were there. He dismissed them. And he immediately got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. That's a name, isn't it? All right. I want you to just hear something with me, okay? We should never, ever allow our problems in life to dilute our perception of Jesus. Did you hear that? We should never allow our problems in life to make or attempt to make Jesus less than who he is. Now, i got to explain something to you. Okay, so we know this story has happened twice now. Now, the first time, it was... Jewish people that he fed, okay? And I just want to do the math on this. I want to give you some, some notes on this. The first time, there were approximately 5,000 men, okay? Not counting women and children, all right? There were five loaves of bread, all right? And two fish, all right? Get that? This time... Jesus is feeding Gentiles. There's 4,000, which is what? Is that greater or less than 5,000? Less. All right? There are seven loaves of bread, which seven is greater or less than five? Greater. And a few fish, which... I was always raised and taught that a few meant more than two. Is that correct? 
All right, so there's less people, there's more food, there's smart kids in the front row, all right? And the disciples are worried about whether <coughs> they can feed these guys. I mean, these guys have to be suffering from spiritual amnesia, all right? Now, the question that I want to ask us this morning, beginning this message, is this. What in Jesus' past makes you think that he is unable to handle your future? The point is nothing, folks. I want you to understand something, and this is what we need to grab a hold of from this passage of Scripture first today here, is that no matter what you are facing in life, no matter what struggle you have in front of you, you have seen Jesus take you through the struggles in the past. You can be assured, you can have confidence, you can have peace, you can rest in the reality that he has your future in his hands also, if you will just lay it at his feet. Amen? You see, in this passage of Scripture, it begins with Jesus providing for the people again. All right? And here's what I want us to understand first and foremost today, is that what Jesus has provided for us in the past, he will take care of us in the future also. We do not have to worry if we have placed our lives in his hands. Amen? Now, we move on in this passage of Scripture. This is going to be a real simple message today. I'll have you out of here at least in an hour and a half, okay? But let's go on. Uh, so the Pharisees... Why is it they always show up? Did you notice that? The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, demanding of him a sign from heaven to test him. Go ahead. Sighing deeply in his spirit. I want you to imagine in your mind, okay? I want you to imagine Jesus yet again. How many times have we seen Jesus deal with the Pharisees? How many times? Too many times, haven't we? These guys are a thorn in his side. They are around every corner. And I want you to imagine, it says, at this point he says, sighing deeply in his spirit. I mean, he's like, Why does this generation demand a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. Go ahead. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and went to the other side. It's a good thing that Jesus doesn't fit in the boxes that many of us try to put him in, isn't it? I want you to think about this. Jesus has fed the 5,000. Jesus has taken care 
of the needs. He has brought healing to the sick. He's bringing wholeness to those who are broken. He's bringing uh, a, a sense of, of, of ownership and a sense of belonging to those who are lost. And yet, here we find the Pharisees, yet again, ignoring everything that he's saying, and they are calling for signs. Why would Jesus, why would Jesus give additional signs to people who have ignored the ones that he's already given them? And I'll tell you what, folks, that's a challenge for you and I here today. Why is it we've seen Jesus move in so many ways constantly? We see him take us through the toughest of times. We see him take us through the struggles, through the trials. We see him take us through the, through the issues that we face. And yet every time we face a new issue, we challenge again. We have to be careful that we don't fall into this trap. We have to be careful that we don't try to shove Jesus into our man-made, human-made boxes. Because let me tell you something today. Jesus doesn't fit in our box, ever. Jesus does not operate the way that we always think he should operate. He doesn't do things the way we always want him to do things. But let me tell you what he does do. He does things the way they should be done, always. And I love this fact. Jesus gets in the boat. He goes over to the other side. The Pharisees meet him here. He gets out. They start questioning him. He's like, why do you always need signs? And then he does what I would call a, a mic drop situation. I'm not going to drop a mic because they're too expensive. He says, Done, gets back in the boat, and leaves. All right? And that leads us to the next passage of Scripture here. The disciples, go ahead, had forgotten to take bread and had only one loaf with them in the boat. Now, you remember what it said, how much bread was left over after they fed the, the 4,000? 4, how many? Yeah. There's a lot of bread left over, right? But they forgot. They took one loaf with them in the boat. And then he gave them strict orders. He says, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, what he's basically saying to them right now in this is he's saying, listen, be careful because you see the Pharisees and Herod, what they do is they focus, they focus on what's going on on the outside. They focus on the external things. Remember, it's deeper than just what's happening on the surface, okay? Think about the relationships that you're in in life, okay? If we focus just on the external, listen, dude, uh, dudes, dudettes, what, whatever you, what you want me to call you today, um, my wife does not always like everything that I do. Now, you notice I said my wife does not like always everything that I do. I love everything that she does. <laughs> All the time. We don't always treat each other the way we should at times. Yesterday, this whole week, I've been like a grouchy. I've been moody all week, okay? I don't know why. It just happens sometimes. I'm an emotional guy. I get moody, all right? I've been a grouch all week, all right? She's aware of it. 
All right? Very much aware of it. But if she ditched me every time I got grouchy, she would have ditched me 13 years, 9 months ago. How long have we been married? 14? 14? Have we been married? Just seems like yesterday. Still honeymoon. It's what's going on on the inside. There's, it's deeper than that, okay? You see what I'm saying? All right? You see, the Pharisees, the Pharisees here, what Jesus is trying to talk to the, to the disciples about is the Pharisees, it's all, about, it's all about the external. It's all about the physical. It's all about, it's all about how people are seeing you and all of the perception of things. And, and what Jesus wants, wants us to know is that there's, it's deeper than that. You see, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we're not just called to look good and to do good things. We are called as disciples of Jesus Christ to live as though Jesus Christ were living our life for us, which means that's on the inside. Uh, the external doesn't always go the way we want it to go. Things don't always work the way we want them to work, okay? People don't always like you. People don't always like what you're doing, but it's deeper than that. Do you see what I'm saying this morning? Do you understand that? You can say amen. 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 So he says to them, beware of the religious or the cultural distortions that seek to disrupt and destroy our biblical faith. You see, the enemy is constantly trying to tear everything about who we are apart. The enemy tries to destroy our relationships, all right? The enemy will try to convince you that you shouldn't have married that guy that you married or you shouldn't marry that girl that you married, okay? The enemy will try to convince you uh, that, you know, uh, uh, you shouldn't put your faith in Jesus because uh, he's going to let you down. The enemy will try to convince you uh, that the church that you're going to, you know, it, it's not the right fit because the pastor wears jeans and a t-shirt and acts weird up on stage. Uh, they try to convince you that that the job that you have and, and the list goes on do you see what I'm saying the enemy is continuously trying to corrupt us and trying to convince us that we would be better off to do things our own way than to do things the Lord's way because our way is the best way and so what's happening here in this passage of Scripture here is Jesus is speaking to the disciples because he's, he's just had another run-in with the Pharisees and they're wanting signs this time. And he's saying, listen, religious and cultural distortions seek to corrupt our biblical faith. We don't need to worry whether Jesus can take care of us or our needs because he can. Amen? You see, spiritual amnesia, this is something that I want to talk about just for a second here. Spiritual amnesia is a dangerous condition of fearing that the present situation 
fearing the present situation by forgetting the past deliverances. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm going to do something just off the wall right here. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to ask for some testimonies. All right, uh, like five words or less. Okay, because I don't want I don't want. There's a lot of you in the room. Okay, so. I want someone in here right now to tell me the last time Jesus delivered you from something. How did you experience Jesus' deliverance in your life? How did Jesus deliver? How did you experience deliverance? Oh, you didn't think I was going to call on you, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh? Do you have a brother or sister? You don't. Do you have a mom? Okay, when's the last time you did what your mom said? Did you, have, have, you, have, you, have you listened? Did you take it out? Yes. See, Jesus delivered you from a spanking if you hadn't taken the trash out. Okay, good. I got that. All right. Over here. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Somebody else. Somebody else, come on. Don't be shy. Go ahead, Cletus. Delivered, delivered you from depression. Amen. Go ahead, Lucretia. Amen. Delivered from depression. Peace in the midst of a storm. What else? Go ahead, back here. Breast cancer, they diagnosed, and then the report came back clean. Amen. That's deliverance. Somebody else. Gave you a new life. Amen. Somebody else. Go. Gave you a new life. Amen. Somebody else. You're going away already got you. you. You got saved from a whipping. Okay. What else? God gave you Aspen. That's awesome. It's a little sister. All right. Yes. Huh? From asthma. Amen. Somebody else, one more. How did God give you deliverance? And you're sitting here today. Yep. Amen. So let me tell you what spiritual amnesia wants to do it wants you to forget all of the things that we just heard in this room. Because all of what I just heard in this room is evidence that God has brought about deliverance in our past. So if he has brought about deliverance in your past, what makes you think that he won't bring deliverance in the future? In this passage of Scripture, Jesus fed the 5,000 people prior to this, and now they're sitting with another 4,000 people, all right? And the disciples, somehow or another, forgot what Jesus had done in the past, yet he still does it in the future. Do you believe that whatever you're facing in life, that God is in control and that he will take care of you? That's the question that you have to ask yourself today. Because in this passage of Scripture, as we go ahead and we finish it in verse 22 through 26, Jesus touches the lives 
of the people again. It says they came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village. Spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? He looked up and he said, I see people. They look like trees walking. Again, Jesus places his hands on the man's eyes. The man looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him on, saying, Don't even go into the village. Folks, here's what I want you to understand this morning. And like I said, this is going to be a relatively short message today because I think it's just straightforward. Folks, I want you to be reminded and understand the fact that there is nothing that you are going through right now. There is nothing that you are facing in life right now that your Heavenly Father is not right there with you. There is nothing that you walked into this room today facing, struggling with, living with, that Jesus Christ cannot see you through. The other thing that I want you to understand today, because here at Lifebrook Church, we call every single one to discipleship. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have come down to this altar and you have prayed, or you have prayed in your seat, or you have prayed in your home, or you have wherever asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, and what I mean by that is that you've, number one, Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Number two, you ask him to forgive you of the sins of your life. Which, by the way, when you ask him to forgive you, guess what happens? He forgives you. There's not a, it's, not, it's not a setup, okay? It's not a, hey, I'm going to forgive you, but first. No, when you ask Jesus Christ into your life, when you ask him to forgive you of your sins, he takes your sins and scripture says that he throws it as far as the east is from the west. I don't know if this is west and east. So anybody sitting out there going, he doesn't know his direction. You're right, I don't, okay? But what I do know is that he takes your sin and he throws it as far away from you as it is. When you ask for forgiveness, when you confess him as Lord and Savior, he then calls you his own. You become a disciple of Jesus Christ, and a disciple of Jesus Christ begins to follow Jesus. You get off of the path that you're on. Some people say maybe you do a 180. Sometimes I feel like you're on this path and you do this. You jump over onto Jesus' path. I won't do that again because that hurt my knees. But you get the point, all right? And then you begin the journey. Folks, today what I want you to understand is that discipleship is a process. It is not a destination. Jesus is abundantly patient in light of our gradual progression, all right? And so this morning, as you have come here today, maybe some of you in this room have been suffering with spiritual amnesia. Maybe you are experiencing a level of defeat that you've never experienced before. Maybe you are struggling 
with something and in your mind you are thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe you're in a relationship right now and you think that relationship is hopeless. Maybe you've got a child that is so lost you don't know how to reach them. Maybe you're in a financial situation and you don't know the solution to get out of it. Here's what I want you to know today. Jesus has the answer. Jesus is the solution. He has delivered every single one of us in the past out of something. I know that. Even if you're sitting here today and you don't realize it, you don't recognize it yet, I'm going to tell you without a shadow of a doubt, He has delivered you from something. And because of that, I can rest assured that our future is also in His hands. So this morning... What have you forgotten that he has done for you that you need to remember so that you can have peace as you move forward? Because I want you to know something today. He's got your future in his hands. And if you trust in him, if you surrender to him, it doesn't matter if you've got seven loaves, five loaves, two fish, or a few fish. I sound a little like Dr. Seuss there for a second. <laughs> In his hands, it's enough. Do you hear me? Whatever you have, whatever you're struggling with, when it's in his hands, it's going to be okay. But you today have to make a decision whether you're going to surrender it to him. So I'm going to invite the team to come up this morning. And they're going to lead us in a closing song. And as we have every Sunday, there's communion set up here on both sides. There's communion in the back. If you need somebody to bring communion to you, we would love for you to do that. But what I want to first remind you of is that what communion is, is it is an act of obedience and it is a, a symbol of what Christ has done for us. So in other words, today, I'm just going to challenge you and maybe, maybe I'll get in trouble for this later, I don't know. But, but if you haven't put your faith in Christ, if you don't trust that he's got your back, don't come up and take communion. Don't act like you believe that. If you don't, all right? But I also want to challenge you on this today. If you came in here today struggling with something, and you don't know how you're going to get through it, that's what you're struggling with. I'm going to tell you right now, the only way you're going to get through it is with Jesus. So bring it to the altar. Bring it to him. Take it to him where you're at. But lay it at his feet. Because he does 
have your best interests, and he's got your future in his hands. If you're struggling in a relationship right now, let Jesus have control of it. If your finances aren't where they're supposed to be right now, let Jesus have control of it. If you've got a friendship or a relationship or a child that is struggling, stop trying to take care of it on your own and let him have control because he is the solution and he will take care of your needs. Heavenly Father, this morning, I thank you for this passage today. Not because it reminds us of your power, not because it reminds us uh, of, uh, of your ability to perform miracles, but what this passage reminds us of is that you have taken care of us in the past, you will take care of us in the present, and you will take care of us in the future. If we will just lay it at your feet. If, you, if, if we'll just bring you what we have, you want to do so much more than what we could ever imagine. Lord, I pray right now in this room. Lord, I pray for a revival to take place this morning in this room where people who have been trying to do it on their own, people who have been frustrated over not knowing what to do, people who have been hurting because of feeling lost, feeling af afraid, feeling alone. Lord, I pray for a revival in this room today that begins with us taking whatever we came in here with and placing it at your feet and letting you have control. Lord, I ask that you move in a mighty way. I pray this in your most precious name.